0: ladies and gentlemen sit back and enjoy because we're entering suburbia that's right we are going to talk about the george clooney movie suburbicon here on anatomy of movies so stay tuned welcome
1: to popcorn talk featuring movie discussion news and interviews popcorn talk we talk movies and here's popcorn Talk, anatomy of a movie
0: interesting <laughs> Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have Marissa Serafini.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: We have Dimitri Panos.
1: Hey, movie fans, how are you? How's everybody doing today? We Um, got the
2: group back. Yeah, we're back.
0: (laughs) That's right. And I'm Phil Svitek. We're talking Suburbicon, starring Matt Damon, uh, written by the Coen brothers. Um, As always, first off, understand that this is going to be spoiler-filled, so if you're joining us for the very first time, if you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. As long as you know, we're going to... Ruin it for you, <laughs> uh, perhaps uh, more ways than one. Um, and also, you can get our rundown in the description box. Um, there's a link to it, so that way, for all the little tidbits and nuggets that we have to pull and discuss, um, they're there because we don't always get to them. But uh, you know, it's uh, certainly up for discussion. Anyway, uh, as we always do, let's start with overall impressions. Starting with Marissa,
2: um, I thought this movie was interesting. I admittedly, it was not my favorite movie this year. Uh, I think the trailers very was very misleading. I went into this film expecting it to be like a kind of a a, a darker comedy, but more of a comedic type of role or, or type of film. Because I know the Coen Brothers, they tend to be quirky and um, there's an air of comedy to it. So I went in with that mentality, and then watching it, it was so not that type of film. And I it's not to say I was let down, but I was more misle- misled. Mm-hmm. And then that changed my feelings of how I thought I was going to like this film and, and then ended up really not liking this film. I think the timing of this film is very pertinent to today's society and community. Um, it's I mean, they're very hard-hitting issues, but I don't think this is the best film to be released at this time of year. I think the acting in this film is great, but the storyline, I I just could not get on board with.
1: Right. Dimitri? Well, I mean, I think we, th- to be clear, this wasn't written by the necessarily written by the Coen brothers. This is based off of a script that the Coen brothers had that George Clooney and his longtime collaborator, Grant Heslov, sort of kind of rewrote, rejiggered. I mean, we're going to go through the whole history of this, but it was a Coen brothers script, which was unproduced. They took it. They sort of kind of rewrote it um and hence now we have uh, suburbicon, which I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, uh Marissa, regarding the trailers, but for me, this movie was just an utter mess um it 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 tried to mash up it tried to like mash up racial tension along with along with uh, um suburban strife, discord, and this undercurrent. Uh, it tried to be noir but there was very little noir. There was no focus, and it wanted to be, like, double indemnity, but then it throws in this racial thing, which really had no place in this story other than to cover up for the fact of our Lodge family, you know, and there, it showed that there are very fine people who aren't very fine people, which we already are aware of. And I really thought that it was going to subvert this whole suburban 50s kind of thing, which would have been great had they had focus and had they had characters that I could sort of kind of like and follow. But being that this movie, to me anyways, there was no clear view as to who this movie's point of view was. The African-American family that moves in, we know so little about them other than the color of their skin. We don't know why they moved there, why they chose to do what they're... Who they are. We never got to meet them, really. From from the um, Matt Damon camp, I mean, am I watching this movie from his perspective? Am I watching it from his son's perspective? Like, whose story is this? It was just, to me, such a mess of a movie. And there was... And for me, the cardinal sin, there was barely a character that was likable mm-hmm. for me to follow that that I that I cared about. Uh, there was such mean spiritedness that I get it in a dark comedy like like the Coen Brothers do so well. Like Fargo is a really great movie that has characters that you don't like, but there's somebody that you follow through that you do like usually. And when they're so mean and horrible, I, I was, you know, I just didn't care. And even the son at the end of the movie, he's just like, oh, I'm going to go out and play ball. <laughs> I'm going to go play catch. After all this horrible stuff that just went on, yeah, it just, the movie, um, it, it, it lacks such focus that uh, it, it was just too bad because. The f- opening five minutes I thought was great how it set everything up of Suburbicon. Um, but, you know, in the end, if they had more focus, maybe a likable character, Clooney and Henslov may have had their Fargo, but they, they were too far to go before you got to that.
0: I thought, for me, it wasn't the greatest movie, but it actually wasn't that bad. And I think if people don't... I think people are missing a certain point of it, or they just don't get um, the humor that is there, and ultimately what it's trying to say. The fact that, to me, at the end, the kid can go back to just playing baseball, I think says just basically um, how, at the end of the day, we can, as white people, we can just write off all the bad negativity of our past and just be like, okay, great, time to move on. Or it also, but it also, uh, there's a duality to it where it's like, um, you know, at the end of the day. It's the innocence of a kid, and they have the ability to forget, which is what the adults, uh, conversely, do not have. And they don't even have a reason to hate. They just hate because of the color of someone's skin.
1: Yeah, but that had nothing to do with the main story. What's the main yeah, story? That, that had nothing to do with the main story.
0: But but understand. the racist
1: part of it had nothing to do with what was going on in the movie.
0: Yeah, well, here's yeah. th- that's, that's what I don't understand. Like The whole point was, while everyone is focused on... A black family in the neighborhood. Look at what's happening over here. You know, we got killers and murderers left and right, but no one seems to notice because they're too worried that God forbid there's a black family in the goddamn neighborhood. That's the point of the story.
1: Yeah, to me that connection was is, not clear no at all. Yeah, not clear at all. It was because we didn't even. I get don't to think it needed that. That. I, I thought
0: it was right there. Yeah. It was. It was. It was clear as day. Yeah,
1: I didn't. Uh, there was there were two stories that were so not even connected and and a facade I was waiting of waiting for
2: it to uh, like intersect at some point. I mean, right. like I I understand that now knowing that there, there was a lot of racism, it, it established the fact that we're back in the 1950s and this is a time where, you know, uh, segregation is not really welcomed yet. Um, and I get that mentality that they set up for us. But I was just waiting for... They were two completely different stories that mm-hmm. never actually met up somewhere in the middle. And I didn't like that because we kept going back and forth between this family and all the riots to the the, the white family that we're focusing on with murders. And I'm like, uh, how how do they even correlate with each other? And they don't. And I, I think you guys are just
0: used to such a like, Western bullshit... Fucking (laughs) writing that you like because it's clear as fucking day. If you say clear as fucking day, they they don't need to intersect for me to understand the point. Oh, I get the point. So
2: then, what's the problem? I get the point, but I'm just upset that it never happened.
1: Like nothing happened. Nothing happened. happened. Like like just because, like, and again, had (laughs) I known that family that moved in, I mean, it's basically okay. I get it. The color of their skin. Everybody's racist. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's the but, point. Okay, but it had nothing to do with what the... That's not the real story. If anything, that's a red herring. It has nothing to do with the real story, and the real story is about the Matt Damon the family McCullough. doing the, the, the double in, double indemnity, which that, in fact, wasn't even... T- if you read certain reviews or if you read certain th- like plot things, it, that's not even clear that... They were trying to kill the wife, because I've read many things that say he was into the mob for a ton of money, and had he not paid it, somebody in his family was going to die, which happened to be the wife, and then this whole insurance thing comes up, and I'm like, well, wait, this is a double indemnity thing, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, if you can't make your main story clear in what it has, like, with what the distraction is that's going on, like... Who cares that this family is like? Is if that's door. your story, who cares that this family's next door? I do. I want. I want to like see how this family is going to deal with this, this this racial injustice that's taking place, which I'm you know which is horrible. But then I've got this family over here that like it's supposed to be the root of evil in suburbia, but nobody cares. And I and the people were so me ended up being so mean-spirited too, that again what? the closest I can compare this to is sort of kind of like Fargo. I can go to Double Indemnity, but Double Indemnity is such a great movie and is really true film noir that had a sexiness about it, that characters that I cared, you know, cared about. This movie I didn't care about like anybody, I... except for maybe. I cared about the kid. I cared about
2: him he was too? Like, and and maybe the uncle because he, he was sort of likable. But those were the only two, and they weren't the main characters y- either.
1: Were they not? I mean, that's my point. Who were the
0: main characters? Well, I, mean, I, mean, I think the point that you have these are absolute caricatures, and you know they they they're not fully representative of anyone in particular in, in, within society. But it is somewhat of a mirror of like, okay, we. Like, I know plenty of people that could fit b- these various descriptions, and it's not that far-fetched right. to, um, you know, like, like in a in, in different circumstances, like, you, you could see some of this happening. I mean, not verbatim, but, but that's the point. It's blanketed to kind of encompass just absurdity and a, and a mob mentality of it all, of, you know, one thing begets another, and then and all of a sudden it blows up into, into this bigger thing. As far as Matt Damon's thing, I mean... Uh, but I think who, whose movie is,
1: is, is are we seeing this through? Who's the main character of this movie?
0: I don't need a main character but- all the time. But you
1: sort of kind of do.
0: No, because again, like here's the thing: there's plenty of like Eastern movies that don't have a main character. So I don't know. I, I you know Please. again, I, th- I think you guys are stuck on certain cliches that it's you not guys not It's not a
1: can't... cliche. Like yeah, well, it like, is. How, how so there's, there's... Fargo is a cliche.
0: No, I'm not saying no, but I, I, I there, okay. yes, there, there there is story structure and there is ways to quote tell stories that be and that becomes right. your structure. And then if God forbid, you don't become beholden to that then your stories are met, But no, it doesn't have to be that way. I understand your point, I, I but it that. needed it here.
1: It yeah. did. It needed it here. I needed to know, like, who am I supposed to be rooting for in this? Like, I don't want any harm to come to the kid. The that only... Be, right? right? I don't want any harm to come to the black family, but I really don't know the black family because they have nothing to do with what's supposedly my main story. So that... So the, the racial injustice taking place seemed very tacked on, which it was... Because it wasn't in the Cohen Brothers script, so it was tacked on, and it felt tacked on. It didn't. It didn't. It just didn't mix well. The well, mashup didn't work for it, me. It,
0: it, two things kind of happened for me. A going into this movie, I felt like based on the promotion, it made Matt Damon's character seem like he was just sort of reacting. It felt like you know, like a taken type of situation where he didn't, you know, he, he it just kind of happened and he didn't have control over it. Um, when keep fate, and, 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 and he actually did the second thing, like it's the it's uh Margaret who tells the kid to go play with you know, so you kind of take that as oh, they're not racist at all, and it's like you know what, whether or not they are, that's fine, what they are is much much worse. Is it worse though? I mean, you, I, well, I mean, I mean I don't the, know. The, you know. I guess six and one, half a dozen the other, like you either, you're, you're the, the townies being racist or you're killing your wife and everyone else. But you else. also
1: brought up Marissa's point too, regarding the trailer and the marketing. Cause I felt that the Matt Damon character was, he, because they promoted Cohen brothers. He just, he sort of kind of reminded me of the William age Macy. You knew that he was, something was going on and he couldn't protect his family. And so I was expecting I sort of kind of was expecting that kind of tone more um, and that where maybe I would feel like sometimes in a movie a character will put themselves in a situation like albeit like whether it's a gambling debt but you can feel sort of bad for them because now they're they put themselves in this horrible situation they did it to themselves and now it's impacting their family you can still great it's not the best thing it's a character flaw but you can still sort of go for that character but here you just couldn't once you find out what's going on you really couldn't
2: mm. r- root
1: for that character at all
2: no and i mean like and matt damon has a a well-established career you're going to automatically think he's the male protagonist of the film it's like you're you just go and you're like i'm gonna see this for matt damon um but while you're watching it and you see more focus on the kid, we start with the kid and then we end with the kid. Mm-hmm. So I think he's more the, more the main protagonist than, than, than Gardner was. Um, but what, what was frustrating is that the way that he, Gardner turned out to be as not of a likable character and what we had to go through, I think the trailer gave away too much of this film. Did you? Where, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I found this film very predictable at the end. I don't I don't know about you guys, but I found like storylines I thought in my head this is exactly how it's gonna pan out and it happened. So I think I was also let down by that that I could predict it.
0: <laughs> I didn't for me I didn't necessarily mind the prediction. As far as as far as the dad and maybe you guys are blessed enough. Gardner Lodge. Okay. Yes, maybe you guys are blessed enough that you guys have wonderful fathers, but I know plenty of people whose dads were like, you're supposed to love your father right. and yet he you know, like there's plenty of people I know that have been beaten by their dads oh. and, like, had, a, like, terrible relationships with the dad. So, it, for Agreed. me, it wasn't that far-fetched. I mean, it, this took it to a, you know, to the ultimate extreme, but, like, I, I've seen plenty of... Now, listen,
1: movies have addressed this, For movies have addressed that in a long t- for, for, for a long time. I mean, how earlier this year was not Fences this year. Yeah, uh, fences was last year. Was yes. last year. Okay. I mean, there've been plenty of movies. Yeah, that topic has been dealt in, in almost every John Hughes movie. Um, the thing is, is that this dad was literally going to kill his son. L- literally, like when what he said to his son, I literally, it, it was because of the way it was delivered and performed. I mean, this, was, like this is this the meanest I've seen. Out Matt how Damon. he was going to kill his yeah, son. yeah, and he was like telling him, "Son, you're a liability." And I'm just, you're going to get killed like this, and I'm going to go to Aruba. And unless you can do this, but I believed every, and and again, it's through Matt Damon's performance. And here's the thing, I'm not, I can't, the the performances in the movie were fine. Like, and again, I can't fault Clooney's direction. He got good performances from his actors. I think, particularly the kid, and that nothing was wrong with the acting. Right,
2: it was the storyline and how they didn't intersect and how they were kind of. It was very convoluted.
1: It It, it just it didn't make sense. And if you're going to be a satire, you got to pick. Okay, what am I satirizing? Am I sat? Am I satirizing race relations? Am I satirizing living in suburbia? Am I? Where's this undercurrent? Because, is the undercurrent that I don't see what's going on over here and that there's. There, there, there's racism which still exists today and it's very interesting because that aspect of the story upon research the, the race the, the racial part of the story is actually based off of the true event that happened that, that Clooney and Henslove wrote about to throw it into this movie if you took that component out of the movie and you just crafted this crafted the the, the, the subversion of living in a perfect society A paradise, so to speak And you have this this evilness And then you have either Your your insurance person Who's the quote-unquote detective Or you have the cop who's trying to figure it out Well, maybe they felt that that was too close to being Fargo But at that point, I'd be like Well, go ahead, mimic, mimic a much better movie But make sense, sense about it That's all You know, and and the marketing, I think, was to your point. I I think it was done purposely to to really try to to make that was the only way to get people to watch this film. I think so because how do you put all those themes into a trailer and make it so that people? Want to go
2: right? Like no one's gonna go to a movie to watch racism. No one's gonna not go today. to a movie to watch a, a boring it's, life in suburbia.
1: Yeah, it's tough because remember it's when Detroit not came out and but but life in suburbia is easily parodied. No. I think and, and to make satire, especially in the fifties. You know, I, and, and it's you, you could have just leave missed, it to be then. <laughs> but that's not a sat. That was back then. It's that fair. was suburbia, but. I love the leave-it-to-beaver lifestyle that they set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just wish that let's focus on a story and let's get that story right. And then and let's have fun with that 50s feel. Let's make, you know, let's really make fun of it, not just because of the time, but because of the a okay of it all when things really aren't A-OK. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, bring that up from the bottom. Like, that's noir, when there's that undercurrent of evil and that shadow of evil, this was more in your face. I mean, we know that racism is bad, and but I want to know that family, like Jesus Christ, like they shouldn't have had to endure that. How are they going to, like, what's going to go on with them? Like, I wanted to follow them, but then we cut back to this where I didn't yeah, want to follow those. That, people.
2: I think that's also the letdown to the to the family, the the neighbor family that we see, is that there was really no resolution to them either. We see all the unfortunate riots, but then, day like days, we can believe weeks have passed, and then they're fine. We're like, that's it. There, yeah. there, there was no like follow up to what happened. Or, like, are they was still they, racist I, in some yeah, like I feel <laughs> like they are,
0: but they gave up. It just
2: it literally fizzled out to nothing. Yeah. Well, it,
0: here's the thing. I mean, I. I I'm just surprised at you guys, you guys must, it's no offense, you guys took dump pills or something this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well,
1: look, and I'm not,
0: I'm sorry. I'm not above and beyond being like I but... mean, here's the thing, that the point is that uh, at the end of the, you know, they're doing the news reports and they're like, none of this, you know, Suburbicon was a great little neighborhood until these people came in. So, you know, you're left with, you know what you're going to get for the next 50 years. Like, we're in 1950. You can kind of piece it together to present day and be like, you know what? This is the start of something very, I'll say it, fucked up. Because, like, yeah, you're right. It's not over. And it's not going to be over for a long time. Because the fact that the little old lady's like, well, nothing ever happened like this when they were, you know. That's that's insane. That And that is the definition of insanity. That's what these people take away from it. So.
2: Mm. I think it's just frustrating that, yes, it's. It's unfortunate that back in the, in the 1950s, and there's still a lot of racism now, but I think we're, we're farther and we progressed more over the history of being more acceptable to the black community and to other races and stuff. So watching it now and going back to a point where it's literally at the beginning of it, it's just frustrating to watch because we've come so far past it.
1: Let, uh, let, 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 let's, well, by the way, ahead, first off I didn't mean come,
0: I didn't mean to call you guys dumb. I apologize <laughs> truly. Anyway, I, but trust but me. It's, it's, listen, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But 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 uh, okay. But I, I want to take that point. We've come, so we, yes, we come, come so far. Yes, have we come so far? That's what I'm saying. Like, I as,
2: think we've come farther than where we were 50 years ago. Okay, sure fair
0: enough. Fun. But 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 nonetheless, you know, you talk to someone like Daryl Christian, president of Black Hollywood Live you know and like i have plenty of other uh black friends there, there there's still a long way to go and, you and know. it doesn't
1: help in our in our current situation leadership notwithstanding in things that are it's 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 more relevant today than it has been in like in in a in a while it's been really brought up to the forefront in a lot of discussion uh, mm-hmm. particularly with current events that have taken place this past year. I mean, I don't want to make this a political show. It's hard to talk about racism and not be politicized about it. We here, I think we are smart people. I'm not going to say that in, watching a movie, I've said this many times before, there are things I might miss. Yeah. You're calling me dumb. I, <laughs> I, I, get where, it. I get where it's coming from. It, Duh, yeah. I get where it's coming from. Yeah. It's tough, though, it, it, w- w- with, with recent events, but Let's let's talk about the true story about why Clooney put this in there. OK, there was a family, the Myers family. Um, William and
2: Daisy Myers. Yeah.
1: And they were African-American and they moved into a cookie cutter suburb suburb populated entirely by white people in the summer of 1957, which is Love around in town, Pennsylvania. This, this, this movie takes place in around that time. Right. 1957, yeah. 59. Mm-hmm. And it's a plan, Levittown is a planned community for some 17,000 almost identical homes. And um, William Levitt, he built this project. Now, it should be known that William Levitt at the time was a national icon and a titan in the scale of Henry Ford and Walt Disney. Time magazine put him on the cover. But he was a racist.
2: He was a big... A
1: huge <laughs> racist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his, Levitt's cultural moment notably excluded blacks until the Myers moved in, and he really did try to get them out of his neighborhood. So that, to me, is a story that can be told. And then, because I didn't really know anything about this Levitt guy, but, no. geez, the parallels today... This guy was an extremely successful businessman who held power. He was considered an icon in business. He was put on Time Magazine. He was really put on Time Magazine, unlike some other people. He was really in Time Magazine, and yet he was a bigot and a racist. That, to me, is a story. It's almost like when we're watching The Founder, right? I didn't know anything about Ray Kroc, right? The guy was a dick, right? That's a story that I wouldn't mind, because that's a part of history that I didn't know, right? And what what about this family, the Myers family, what they had to endure just because they wanted to live in a seemingly nice neighborhood? And if you want to parody suburbia, like the seemingly perfect place, like this is a place that should have been a safe haven for them, that's a story that, on its own, I think would have made a good movie. Yeah,
2: a better story to focus on. And we'd actually care about this family now, yes. you know, which sounds terrible. But like we would actually be more emotionally invested in watching this family go through the tragedies and discrimination that they went through back in that time. I, and I think that could have been, that's a solid story in and of itself for another director to take on. I would like to see that.
1: And, again, that movie, too, probably wouldn't be a big commercial movie. It probably released maybe like this. I don't know, because there's I not going to be any comedy to I it. mean, if
0: Denzel took it on, you know, if he wanted to take on sure. another story uh, of similar nature or, you know, Spike Lee or someone, you mm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I could see it having a or, yeah. or, or. I mean,
2: Even Clooney said that. He's like... Yeah. <laughs> There, There is a story that he, in another version that he personally would love to see someone take that on from that perspective. Well, but he even said this
1: story him. isn't really a story that he would be, that, that he can tell. So I'm like, well, why did you bother? Yeah, like, yeah, why like, did you do that You shouldn't have then? bothered. Like, you, you had, and again, it was a Coen Brothers. You have to wonder, like, the whole history of it all.
0: Well, the, the original sure. script is, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's gone through many iterations sure. in terms of just the Coen brothers, but um, originally dating back to 1960 or er, 19, 19,
1: 1986. Yeah, I can't, they they worked on it after Blood Simple, their first movie. Yeah. But if you if you look at some of these fine points in Suburbicon and again, without having interviewed the Coen brothers, it, it sort of kind of they probably looked at it and said, hmm. Tonally, what do we got to do? And then it almost seems as if that's what they wrote Fargo off of. Because it's very similar. A guy who wants to do an insurance scheme of murder. And he hires henchmen to do his bidding. And then there's an investigation. And that movie was about character. That movie was about people that I, 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 I cared for because it was about... Where as much as Fargo was as much as as much a character, where Suburbicon here should have been as much a character in this movie. Like where we make fun, like at the beginning where we we're making fun of the people in the mailman. <laughs> that mailman was funny. Like the first five minutes of this movie, I said I'm in because this is going to make fun of suburbia in such a cool way, and it sort of kind of didn't. But I do, I do I agree. Got I would have liked minutes.
0: I would have liked to see a couple more of those snippets. Um, especially like the animated portion of it. It was funny. Um, I, I did enjoy that. And it, it would have been funny to have interstitials of like that before. Um, but You could
1: do that modern day too, because Disney, Disney in Disney Florida has, has a place called, uh, uh, we'll have to look it up, but I think it's like paradise. Something. It's, it's a neighborhood that Disney built where all of the houses look the same. You have, yeah. And they have a community there. Like, you could do that today. You don't even have to do it in the 50s. And that could be fun, funny, great satire. And it would be tied into what's happening to, you know, what's happening today.
0: Well, I, th- I think what's great about the 50s is that, you know, we're basically on a pedestal post-World War II. Of, sure. Like, we're the victors. You know, we came and saved. The- like, it's just, it's this falsified notion of, like, everything's going to be okay forever. Mm-hmm. You know, moving forward, and now we got the perfect celebration, picture.
2: Florida. Thank celebration, you,
1: thank you. That's it. Celebration, Florida. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's a whole community that Disney built. How the people live. Um, So, like, you could have done that today. But you're right. The '50s too. There was an innocence too, because part of part of what's great about talking about the '50s is there. There, they're coming out of World War II. There was. Uh, patriotism but there was this innocence that as we go into the 60s that is then there became rebellion and that I think the movie this movie Suburbicon takes place in about 57 58 or 59 so it was right on the cusp of that changeover and that to me is fascinating and that can be made fun of where innocence is mm, lost or just rejiggered like you know so, um, and that's what I wanted. Like in this movie, I wanted good people to, because of their own because of their own hand And put themselves into situations where they become not so good people. Yeah. But I don't think that the father. I don't think he was good people. Period.
0: No, he was. <laughs> he was terrible. And
1: neither was uh, Margaret or Rose. Rose. I, and no, the, Rose the, was. The Rose mother. was.
0: It was the sacrifice. We'll call her. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um no I, you know I want to get your guys take because I think if you take these some of these individual scenes um uh, okay. I think they do play very funny. Um like they they're very play like I for me they were very well paced and edited. Um and I had a lot of fun with it. Like I, I I know you guys brought up the um the death scene uh when he's eating the sandwich. Um Gardner is, but for me I because like the way just Matt Damon is just enjoying that sandwich and the way he goes for that milk to quench his thirst, I was it was good. It was performed very well, and and again I got no problem with Clooney's
1: direction. Um, We can talk about that a little because there was an article and I think it came from Film School Rejects that said should Clooney should it 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 posed a question that was something like should Clooney never direct the movie again. And I'm like, what the hell kind of a stupid question is that? He's a good director. He has made some good movies. Yeah. Regardless of what you think about Suburbicon, he knows how to get performances out of his actors. He knows how to set up a shot. He, kn- he works with good editing. I-, I had no problem with
0: the pacing of this movie, so to yeah. speak.
1: What other scene did you want to... Uh, you, you I mean when when
0: uh it. when Oscar Isaac came in, he he really lit up that screen. I that agree. Was, that was fun.
1: And I thought I was going to get a character oh, this character's smarter than the average bear, but then he just became No, I'm gonna take all your money <laughs> Like oh boy. And I was like, Can we just have somebody who's sort of kinda of good in this movie outside of the like the uncle <laughs> or or the cop? Like, the cop that was in the movie, Mm -hmm. um, I thought... But we didn't... The movie wasn't about, I guess, following... Trying to figure out the mystery of this insurance scam that was taking place. Mm -hmm. But Oscar Isaacs was great. And apparently that role was what George Clooney was supposed to play... Mm -hmm. When the Coen brothers came up with the script. Which I think Clooney would have been... Because Clooney can play that, too... Um, but Oscar Isaacs, you're right. He did like, he, he, he had the smile
0: yes. and obviously like Clooney would have been great, but like the, the, just the fact that I, you know, um, he was a little bit ethnic, right? Uh, you know, uh, he's a little, he's yeah, not I, white. I, I enjoyed that side of it. Mm-hmm. Did you like him as well?
2: No, I love Isaac yeah. I was just going to say, I was like, he's also like more ethnically ambiguous and, and you can kind of believe he himself might have personal ties to the mob you know um especially when he went into this deep investigation of all the red flags and stuff And like i liked him because he was smart he was intelligent he answered the questions that the audience was thinking of was like oh is this are my predictions coming true you know um and i like that and he set up a lot of and answered a lot of things for us but also his untimely demise was uh also very predictable. I'm like, oh, they, they're going to poison him, crap. And then, like, sure enough, his death was, you know, unfortunate to watch. <laughs> kind of comedic in a way. That was the darkest but again, humor. The trailer also gave that away.
1: Did it? Because yeah, I don't remember. The, there's a
2: clear shot of Mad Damon dragging the body. Um, I felt the trailer just gave away... Everything in this film that I didn't made know was this him. film, like, I as like, I could p- pick from every scene. I was like, all right, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. sure enough, it did. And Oscar's death was, I can't say Oscar, but the, the investor's death. <laughs> but I'm Cooper. Like, yeah, but. The insurance guy. Like, ah, oh, crap, you're going to die too. And then even that, his poisoning led to the, the whole sandwich and the milk. And that, was, and that was, again, a very predictable death because we just saw it 10 minutes ago.
0: Um, Well, that's the thing. I don't think, you know, at Mm -hmm. that point, his death, like I'll give you I'll give you Bud Cooper's death. But as far as he's concerned, like that's the whole point. You're not going to spend we like if they wanted to hide it from you, they would have maybe had him pick up the sandwich and then you don't know. And that's it. But like the fact that you're watching him eat this right. sandwich for five minutes and then drink the the milk yeah. until it's almost gone. Irony can be pretty ironic sometimes. No, yeah. obviously, to me it was
1: who's going to eat the sandwich. I knew that the kid wasn't going to eat the sandwich, and then when the henchman comes in the house, I thought maybe the henchman would have eaten the sandwich. No, I, I knew, knew somebody was going to die from I that knew sandwich. He, he was going to eat kid. the
2: sandwich because the trailer shows him clearly sitting at the table eating the sandwich. Oh, I didn't. Like the trailer gave away. Everything. I don't really remember that. Everything. For
0: some reason. Uh, I don't Everything. remember trailers that... Like, I remember it, uh, the tone of what the trailer did for Same me, manner. but truthfully, yeah. like, ask me about, like, most trailers, and i like, I don't know what the hell happened no, in the trailer.
2: Yeah. And like, And I'm not really... Big into uh marketing and like throwing me off, but like this is a clear example of the trailer revealing everything and can also conversely ruin the movie for you. Mm, so yeah. it, it did that for
1: me. We had it we, we, we actually had a big conversation about trailers last week. Um, you know, we'll bring it up just a little bit here in which there was an article in the Boston Globe with a writer, I believe it was Ty Burr, who said Trailers lie, and I'm not paying attention to any trailers. And for I've worked with trailers for the better part of my career. Whether it was Universal, uh, whether working for General Cinema or Hoyt Cinemas, it was always about programming trailers. And then for Lionsgate for, for for a decade, trailers are a marketing tool. And sometimes you have a movie, you just don't know how to market. Hmm. So you have trailers can be cheats, I, and I and I get that. Oh, they need to, you know, the studio has to try to get people to spend the bucks to go see the movie. Into your point, well, let's let's look this year. You can add Suburbicon to the list. Uh, Mother, that trailer was a complete lie. <laughs> <That> <laughs> um was. the Snowman. There, were, that trailer was. It cheated. It didn't lie because the movie said you were going to see a mystery. We saw a mystery, just not a very good one. Um, but we've all seen trailers and we've talked about it on this show, too, about how they'll have a scene in the trailer that when the theatrical movie comes out, that that scene that we saw in the trailer is not yeah, in the movie and for some reason, you know, it oh. just gets cut. That happens. But first and foremost, a trailer is a tool. It's, it's meant to garner excitement, curiosity and try to get people enticed into seeing a movie whether that movie's good or bad. But sometimes a studio is faced with the movie where they go, okay, we've we got a problem on our hands. How are we going to market this movie? And I think a clear choice was in this thing to try to make it more comedic. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't remember the trailer as much as you did. But yeah, I, I mean, saw the I'm trailer go, like
2: 10 times because yeah. we cover a lot of movies here. So we go to the movies a lot. <laughs> I, I see this trailer all the time.
1: So, in, and to your point, though, if you're seeing him eating that peanut butter sandwich, if you're seeing him yeah. drag Oscar Isaacs, then yeah, the trailer gave away a lot. Like,
2: I, I challenge, well, not really challenge, but like, I say, listen, watch this film, then go back and watch the trailer, and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, I got it. The trailer gave everybody <laughs>
0: if you, if you kind of look at it I mean I do recognize it with a lot of trailers that they will be from start to finish basically the movie and you, whether or not you realize it because you know most trailers at least you know from my vantage point historically have been more of a hodgepodge of you know mix, mixing moments um, more and more trailers that I see today are from start to finish the movie
1: they can be and, and I hate trailers that give away too too much yeah um and I know we'll, we'll talk about Thor and that, you know, th- there's a lot to talk about regarding the trailer there. But I think Disney does a good job with their Star Wars and even their Marvel properties where this they get Disney. you. No, 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 no. But I, I understand. I... But what I'm getting at is, is that a trailer should give you snippets of the movie. And, and you should get a, after watching it, you should have some semblance of a tone. Suburbicon, mm-hmm. like you, Phil, I was sold on the tone. Because it's the kind of movie that I go see. Because I, I like dark humor, yeah. I like that kind of satire. For, but if, a, if they can't figure out what the movie really is, the marketing department has to come up with some way to try to sell this movie. I don't think all movie, all trailers, I should say, give everything away. There are some trailers that are done really well. When you look at what Warner Brothers has done, especially with the, like their horror movies, like The Conjuring, it was a great great trailer right and you knew it was a horror movie and it didn't give away the movie you know you you need to excite people and tonally tell them this movie is a horror movie or this movie is a comedy and not give away all of the best laughs because we've talked about that too that happens often
0: well i think a couple things for me uh usually when i see from start to finish in terms of a trailer it usually happens the one with comedy You know, I I remember like when I really started paying attention to trailers and kind of studying them, it was when The Hangover came out. And Mm -hmm. literally, that trailer is from start to finish um, in terms of the movie, right? It's just a little bit disjointed and it gives you enough, and obviously, very, very successful movie. Um, Two, you know, with trailers, it's also like, yeah, you're right. You're going to pick one singular thing to focus on. It's not like when you have a movie like this, let's say in a perfect world, both storylines did work for you guys. um, You're not going to all of a sudden in the trailer, uh, you know, if if twenty percent of the movie is the racial tension and eighty percent of it is the Double the Indemnity plot, you're not gonna, you know, eighty twenty the trailer in the same way because it wouldn't make sense. You're gonna you know, right. pick what what actually and, works. And
1: I think from a from a marketing standpoint, because I didn't catch that this movie was gonna have any racial no in terms at all. I think it was smart for them to keep that out. No. Um, but again, I didn't even get the Double Indemnity plot. I didn't even get the plot that.
2: There are two storylines going on. Yeah, I
1: didn't get to, that That there was a plot where this guy plotted to kill his wife so that they can get the insurance money and go to Aruba. Not that I wanted everything to be cut out for me. I literally thought that this was a I guy who got I think the big reveal moments
2: it. were definitely shown in the trailer. Like, the yeah. big reveals that were, where you're like, oh, man, that happened. You're like, yeah, I already saw it. Yeah, I just thought
1: maybe the plot co- points were given yeah, away.
0: That's the thing. Like As far as I was concerned, it didn't give away um, the... The reasoning behind that stuff, sure. I, you know, because um, I, I, I there's definitely trailers that give away like the inciting incident, sure. and the inciting incident doesn't happen until like thirty, forty minutes in. You're like, okay, the, we know what the inciting incident. Just right. get to it, please. Right. The, the, the every the whole trailer campaign one, two, and three is built around you know setting that up. Like, let's just right. get to it. Um. Anyway, let's uh let's take You're, a step back sure. yeah. and go back into production. Um. Uh, something pretty cool. Um, the locations department, led by location manager, uh, manager Michael Burmester and the key department members, um, they were nominated for the prestigious California on Locations Film Award sure. for Team of the Year. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to them. Yeah.
1: And and basically, they, they, they shot in L.A. Uh, because that was just Matt Damon's request, um, interestingly enough. Um he basically said, like, listen, he goes, I wanted to work with Clooney again. Um, it's a Coen Brothers. I wanted to be in this movie. He goes, but I told him, he goes, he had four movies lined up. He, had done, he was starting The Martian. Okay. Then he went right into Great Wall, mm-hmm. which led right into Jason Bourne, which went right into Downsizing. Guy's got a lot of work.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he's basically, I it was two solid years of work. And he goes, and I had sworn up and down to my family that I wouldn't take anything else. He goes, but when George calls, he goes, I was like, I'd rather be waterboarded than turn you down, which is a testament. I mean, it's a good relationship, right? He goes. But he goes. But I have to be with my family. Then I remember we we're in London working on Born, and I was sitting at that dinner table with my wife when this text came in that said, "How about if I move it to L.A.?" And it was George who suggested it. I turned my phone to my wife, and she goes, "Okay, you're doing it." <laughs> so, I, I again, I like that because what they worked well together. You could tell that they're friends and. If he's, he, you know, he didn't get paid a ton of money to do this movie, right? So
2: even George Clooney didn't make a lot of money right. in this film. And so, I, I, I
1: like that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I like that spirit. It's like, hey, my friend asked me to be in a movie. I can't turn him down. He's, he's George Clooney. This is on. one of the
2: films that, like, they collaborated together as creators, as artists <clears> together. <throat> it wasn't for, you know, I mean, I think the time that they released it was I mean, they were gunning for the Oscar season, but. In, in a lot of interviews, uh, Clooney himself said, like, he didn't make a lot of money for this. This was one of his passion projects. and But just because it's a passion project doesn't mean you should do it.
1: Well. Yeah, or, or, yeah, I mean, it just needed work. But I, I like how they got together. And when you look at a, some other of Clooney's movies, well, Monuments Men. Monuments Men. Right? This is a movie where he got his buddies together. And that's a movie that I'll say... Was unfairly panned by critics, and I don't think it's that bad of a movie. John Cummerford, um, who used to do this show regularly with us, he and I had an amazing conversation about the way critics felt about *Monuments Men* and the way I-, I perceived the movie to be a fun look at history that he did really, and he worked yeah, with guys his friends. Like that film. Yeah, and it's and it's a good movie. That's why I felt that that question should. Clooney give up directing was an insult to the man because I think Clooney does have a passion he has a passion for film he knows what he's doing not every movie I don't have to love every movie that they do he shouldn't give up directing that was like a it was an insulting question to me I think he is a filmmaker and he loves movies
0: what I don't appreciate like um, there's definitely you you know some people fall into this where they just like to work with their friends and then but they don't really focus on the product so granted the result this time um, wasn't let's say the greatest, right? But you can't I, I don't look at it like George didn't go into it and was like fuck it, let's just have fun. No. He he legitimately wanted to put out, you know, the best foot forward that he could, just didn't turn out the way, but there's definitely movies that that the, the number one goal is just to have fun with her people's friends. Yeah, no,
1: he definitely took making this movie seriously. I don't doubt that. At all. And again, that goes regardless of what I thought of the movie. He literally, I mean, I think as a filmmaker, he takes filmmaking quite seriously. He really does. I think he takes time to set up shots, to talk to his actors. I think it's evident on screen. Yeah,
2: I mean, he's a good director. And the movies that he has directed, he's been nominated for. Sure. I mean, like, what was it, The Good Night? Good luck and good night. Yeah, good luck it's and a great good night. movie. He got nominated for a director for that film, so it's not like he can't direct. He definitely can. He has the artistic ability and the creativity and the drive and the passion for it. Yeah. So it's just because you don't like one of his films doesn't mean that he should stop doing it.
1: Uh, no, no, absolutely. What was the movie uh, called? The, the one that he made about Chuck Barris, the Gong oh. Show that Sam Rockwell. I mean, that, that movie, he was great, and look at the performance he gets that out of Sam, show, yeah. Ra- yeah. Sam Rockwell. I mean, he knows how to get performances from his actors, and I think it's because of his personality. I mean, I've never been on set with him, but I don't picture him to be the guy that yells at people a lot. I think he really does nurture good performances from his people, well, and people like to work with him.
0: Well, he nurtured, a, you know, a great performance from the kid. Oh one one okay. of one of the quotes uh, he said, you know, just if you have something, just try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, you know, especially for a kid. You know, um, like, listen, at the end of the day, uh, he he could be an amazing actor regardless, but he, he needs that level of comfort to, you know, let's say, especially if he wasn't, you know, just to try it and we'll adjust. Right. Yeah,
2: and Noah Jupp also said that you know he uh, that Clooney was always making everyone laugh on on set, so it was like we know that Clooney has that ability to just make people comfortable and have them just perform at their their high caliber A list self.
1: Yeah, Noah Jupp uh, was he was he was great. I would have I loved really to. I really liked him. Yeah, I really would he have loved to out. have been on set while they were filming that scene with Matt Damon because I he was so, like, I want to know, like, what Matt Damon may have, like, look, do what you, obviously, that's not coming from me. Like, how does he set a kid like that? I mean, he's saying such horrible things. It's like when you watch a a, a horror movie and the killer's going after the kid. He always reads stories with that, that, that person who plays the monster is trying to set up a relationship with that kid so that the kid doesn't, can try to differentiate between making the movie and that. This is a young kid going through some pretty heavy dialogue about where his character's, his father's going to kill him, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? They both played it great, and I believed each beat that they took on that table, and that was probably, for me, the the, the, the scene that was the most uncomfortable, uh, you know, with, within all of Suburbicon. Um, but yeah, that, that kid was great. The, the kid was really, really good throughout the whole thing,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Poor kid, just didn't know any better. Didn't know any better,
2: but again... And, just and you felt for him, too, he, because he was going through all this. He, he's emotionally traumatic and, like, traumatized, and especially <laughs> during the moment when, like, the whole questioning, or the, they have all the perpetrators lined up, and he, he clearly sees the, the guys who robbed them. Like, and you feel for him, because he knows more than, you know, that... Matt Damon is uh, gardener's letting on, so it's like because you're also rooting for him because he is kind of like the voice of the audience in a way, sort of, or just like the audience is following him and rooting for everything, and he wants justice for this character. Yeah, uh, but he's so young that people aren't going to believe him, and that's what's frustrating. But that's why you also like this kid because you, you just want him. You, you're just rooting
1: for him. And he, and he put in a solid performance. I mean, I liked yeah. him for his performance. He did a good job, regardless of who this movie's focused on. I mean, he, the kid was good. Right. The kid came through. Like, when he was crying, I really got that he was crying. <laughs> when he was in fear because that henchman was, that killer was trying to kill him, that that, that was a really good scene. I mean, and then they end up killing the uncle, which, you know, we see the uncle for two minutes. and We're thinking he might be the bright spot of all this, but... You know, Julianne Moore's character turns out to be really vicious and mean, too. And she threatens him as
2: well, like, really bad. And it's just, wow. I didn't really understand Rose Margaret. I mean, I love Julianne Moore. Mm-hmm. Don't let us be clear about that. We've seen other anatomy shows where I'm just praising Julian Moore. She's amazing. I didn't really understand why she had to be a twin. I mean, you could... This is one of those roles you could have casted another also equally t- talented actress to play the sister. But I think it was just off-putting when they make her, who's a very recogn- recognizable face. Sure. And then you split her into two. You're like, nah, that something's off here. So you have to suspend that disbelief. Like, you're not a twin, but I can believe you're a twin right now. Well, but, <laughs> but it was just... It was... It was hard to believe when Rose died and then Margaret now became like the partner to Garner. I didn't believe the dynamic because she's so like, what happened to the first sister? and I don't believe the second sister, and they're the same people because I know they're acted by the same person. So I, I think this is where it didn't help with the, the story when you have a recognizable actor playing two different characters.
1: It took me... Well, I knew that they were both being played by Julianne Moore. Phil, you and I had this conversation just before we came in here, so I'm going to throw this question to you. So when we're first introduced to the characters, right, mm-hmm. the, uh, Rose and Margaret, okay, I thought... I didn't even put them together as being twins. I put one as, oh, that's the mother who lives with them because she's in a wheelchair. That's the wife. And then I found out, no, the woman in the wheelchair is the the actual wife. And I was like, going, wait, what? She looks so much older than. I go, they're twin sisters? Why did you I,
2: not see understand that they were twin sisters? I
1: just thought they I just thought that they <laughs> like They're literally I thought she was playing her mother and her daughter.
2: No. Just be,
1: you know, for the similarities. This isn't Chinatown. Like this. <laughs> Oh, why wouldn't it be?
2: I <laughs> I'm, I'm just baffled at the thought that you didn't pick up. I that thought
1: influence. I thought she because she looks so much older. No, than that than that.
2: She, you just put a blonde wig on her and she's, she's the same. But person. anyway, you had
0: you had a point to but, make or a question yeah. to ask.
1: Well, no, no. I, she answered the question for me. I guess again, I I took a double dose of dumb pills <laughs> that day. So.
2: See, at least I clearly picked up that they were twins.
1: No, I just picked up oh, that's the mother. That's who she's married. to too, and the mother's staying with them, and the mother just also happens to be played by Julianne Moore, and they just want to show that they look alike, or something. Because she looked older to me. Mm. Watching her.
0: I mean, you know, the, the movie didn't go too far into it, and I mean, it might be reading and assigning far too much into it, but, um, you know, it's just like, the, to me, Matt Damon's character was kind of like the typical guy who just kind of got bored of one thing, and then Lo and behold, that's the satire. Like, he got bored of one thing. And so, to keep the excitement going, he basically goes and gets the same thing again. Just from st- start one.
1: Yeah, and I'll take it a step... Fr- like, once I... F- okay, so, they're, they conspired to kill off the wife. And I think the quote-unquote car accident... I think he tried to kill her. I think that car accident... Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think the wife sort of kind of knew. Well, I, like Rose or Margaret, I don't...
0: Ro- Rose. Rose.
2: Rose is the, the
1: mother. Yeah, so I just, just figured Rose knew, in a sense, that her husband was trying to bump her off, and, you know, and then, you know, these two thugs come into the house, and...
2: I was just put like, off like, by, like, Julianne Marsh is great, yeah. but she's a recognizable face that we know she's not a twin. And so to see two. Neither of them, was
0: Lindsay Lohan.
2: No, I know. But like, <laughs> come on. And fairness, when we got Lindsay Lohan, no one knew who the fuck Lindsay Lohan was at that time. Yeah, uh, uh, movie. I love That's a remake of
1: movie. a far better. Movie the original is a far better one than the Lindsay Lohan whatever. one. I'm just There's saying. No, whatever. No, I get,
2: I get that, but that's also my point. It's just, we know who Julianne Moore is. So when you kill off one of them, and you're just un- trying to understand, I was like, okay, now here's the second sister, but this relationship is too awkward to be real and believable. It just, it didn't hit with me. I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, once i Once I figured out the 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 double intemnity thing, well, let's talk about. There is something that 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 I found interesting was the sex scene that the little boy that Nikki walks walks in (laughs) on. um, You know, and uh, yeah, and it involved the ping pong battle. (laughs) And according to Matt Damon, he's like, admittedly, that he actually inflicted real pain on himself. While trying to make it seem authentic and caused one of his butt cheeks to be completely discolored and bruised. He goes, Mm -hmm. goes, yeah, it's like we realized the way the shot was. It looked like I was hitting her. If I hit myself and do I really let myself have it? I was spanking myself instead of spanking her. And Moore jumped in to offer a little bit of the clarity about the logistics saying he'd hit, then I'd yell. <laughs> so he was hitting himself, not Ju- not Julianne Moore. So um, yeah, when he got home, his wife he was, was giving like, himself an extra push. What, what the hell is
2: going? His wife questioned. <laughs> his wife was like, "What the
1: hell are you doing, George? I want to talk to you." We're filming right. a sex scene. <laughs> We're
2: filming that. You suffer for your sexy, art. Yeah. <laughs> <There> you <go.
1: laughs>
0: that movie was movie magic.
1: Because a- <laughs> I thought he was hitting. Well, I didn't think he was hitting her. I didn't think he was hitting himself.
0: Here's the thing. At the end of the day, for me, that was the least concern of mine. I was more like, "Wow, this is what the kid walks in on." Yeah. Uh, but also,
2: it was one of the first moments where you realize that they're officially like kind of a thing. Or, well, not kind of, but like... They're, not kind they're, of. <laughs> they're officially a thing. You're like... Without oh, avoidance of wait, doubt, what? they are a thing. Yeah. They are a thing. But this was, I, I feel for the audience, this is one of the moments where you actually... It, it answers, then it's like, oh yeah, they are together.
0: Yeah, the light goes You're off.
2: You're like, oh shit, Eureka. something's happening. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those epiphany moments.
0: Yeah. I wanted to see him get out of this one. Cause I, I forget the timeline right now, but... um remember a- after they have the um, the suspects lined up he, he g- gives that crappy speech about not remembering and so All forth right. uh, so I wanted to see if there was a way he was going to get out of this one <laughs> like Are what you, the
1: hell oh, he would even come up with. Say? Yeah, <laughs> I lost the ping pong ball I'm trying to hit it out of her
2: <laughs> nope that kid is forever traumatized <laughs> Yeah. Uh. in so many ways
1: yeah and I was too
2: <laughs> I think we all were.
0: Alrighty. Um, what else do we want to move on to more specifically? We could we could talk about editing. Um, Josh Brolin was supposed to be in this movie, but uh, his entire st- plot subplot, whatever you want to call it, got completely cut out,
1: and he wasn't in the trailer.
2: Yeah, no, so. he wasn't. He well, George Clooney admitted that uh, Josh Brolin's scenes deflated the tension uh, of the film because uh, Brolin's character was more of a. Uh, racially surged kind of person so and they during the editing process they cut a lot of things out to like get the tone back of not not just racism but Brolin's character was one of the more racist characters and they cut him out to like get the the movie kind of my back on track. Mm-hmm. yeah so. yeah and then also George Clooney said that uh, the 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 muggers the the, the robbers uh, were originally more comedic characters, and they cut a lot of their moments too. Yeah,
1: and and again, you sort of kind of got to... okay, and this is why I make the comparisons to Fargo. When you have that Peter Stromer character in Fargo, the Wichita guy, right? I he's a great he's a great character, right? And I thought, okay, so these are going to be the henchmen. And there's a line of dialogue. The cop says, "Hey, I want you guys to come down." He goes, "I saw these guys in the middle of the highway. They were, they were like, they were beating each other to death."
2: And you sort mm-hmm. of, kind of
1: got a sense that they were sort of like a mutton Jeff,
2: slapstick and right. kind of right.
1: But they really sort of, kind of weren't. Um, and like, I, I would have liked them to be more like. They could be menacing, but sort of buffoonish or sort of silly. Um, but they, too, were just... They weren't fully... And, and again, you just get the sense, were they with the mob? Or were they just two guys that he hired to kill his wife? And he wanted to make it look as if, you know, they, they came to rob the house... But, again, if you read certain things, certain things said that, he, you know, Damon's uh, Gardner Lodge was, was into the mob for some money. And they were coming to collect. And, and this um, was the
0: deal he made with them?
1: I guess. I mean, here's the
0: thing, I, <clears throat> I mean that, that to me is a valid thing. And, and evidence in the movie points to that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need more than that. Yeah. No. So. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%.
1: But to me, the, the the character that shined... Well, the brother, the uncle could have shined more because he's this big guy who obviously cares for the kid yeah. a lot, right? And then you had to kill him off with, with a pair of scissors to the back. But Oscar Isaacs, again, like you said at the top, he really, when he showed up, he was great. And I thought he was going to be our detective. I mean, he's a like an insurance actuary guy trying to figure out... And it was just the way he did it. I mean... No, no, no. They, they, we we just got to go through all this, and I don't see anything that, that's jumping out at me at all. And yeah. the way he was asking his questions, and you know, but you're right. They set up a lie thing. Mm. Like, so, it's like, oh, well, somebody's gonna get. Why would you have a lie <laughs> standing so close to your sugar? But um, but Oscar Isaac's was great. Was yeah, great. he
2: had his good solid five minutes, and then that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I thought he was going to end up being the character that's piecing everything... Together. ...together. You know, much like, you know, Francis McDormand's character. But again, with her char- with that character, we got to know so much about her home life and everything that you really... And she's trying to piece this silly mystery together. In a sense, this is a, this could have been a silly mystery. um, But I don't know. I, I just think that there was a reason why the Coen brothers didn't make... This movie, and I think that they tonally they couldn't find yeah. how to make this work tonally for them, um, and it's just funny that they had envisioned George Clooney to be in it, you know and they and they're collaborators too, so if George says, "Hey, I really like this script I, I, again, it's part of that collaborative process where I mm-hmm. say, "Well, if you want to make it, go ahead it's yours, yeah you know
0: a hundred percent um. Let's talk about um, the music because we've talked about Alexander the plot uh, quite a number of times at this point. Um, I mean, a couple of movies we've covered: King's Speech, Godzilla, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, *Monuments Men*. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, indeed. And did we do Ides of March*? I believe maybe we did, or maybe we did not. I oh, don't that was—I think that was before our time. Yeah, that nah, was Ryan right. Gosling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was before that our time, one. I think. Um, either way, um, you know. Uh, I think he's a great composer.
2: I think the the music was uh, there were moments in this movie. We, we always talk about how movies and music help elevate us or it mm-hmm. doesn't. I th- I thought there was so much m- music in this film, especially when they were like establishing like the tone and the characters and the storylines. I I noticed the music all through the first twenty minutes of this film. And even during the, the thrilling parts, during the, the whole robbery and stuff, there was a lot of music, a lot of upspell. Not that it ruined the film, but there were moments where we didn't need the music.
1: See, for me Desplot is a tonally I think he's a great composer. Mm-hmm. He he can help set up tone and he can help music be like the perfect bed that helps set the tone for the scene that the audience is about to watch. I also think he succeeds in doing multi-genre type movies. As you mentioned, um, he did Godzilla. He did the, what was it, King's Speech. Speech. He was supposed to do Rogue One, um, but due to, I forget exactly what it was, why he didn't end up doing it, but he gets picked to do a lot of different types of movies, and he's a, to me, he's a tonal director. He's much different than, say, a John Williams who, Epic. full orchestra, you know, and he can set a tone as well. But when you look at the first 10 minutes of Suburbicon, I mean, that music sets up a perfect tone for what you're potentially getting into. He nails the 50s and at the same time, it's original, you mm-hmm. know, and that's where plot works the best. Um, you know, he's just setting tone up for a scene, um, and that's why I think he gets so much work on multi-genre type movies. Yeah, you
0: know, uh, he he does wonderful. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and I I couldn't agree more. I I, well, I loved the juxtaposition of, especially it was almost like the um, the more intense the scenes got, the quirkier the music, mm-hmm. and I and I rather enjoyed that. Yeah. So I thought. Um, that worked part of the satire there.
1: He was the perfect choice for this, and and even in uh, when we did *Monuments Men*, talking about him, his music was like it had that jingoistic, patriotic kind of tone uh, that you would get from like a Kelly's Heroes kind of a movie, like I he, mean,
2: during the war. Too, yeah, yeah
1: so. absolutely. So he, that's where the splot, I think, that's where his strengths are, and that's why he gets hired. Um, and he works good, obviously. I think with Clooney.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we talked a lot about promotion, so don't need to rehash that. Um, but why don't we jump into pure numbers, uh, which there are not a lot of <laughs> big numbers here.
1: No. And, and um, you it didn't know.
2: get a worldwide
1: release. Yeah. So. And please uh, also forgive, too, because the one thing that I couldn't find is a production budget on this movie. And I can't see this movie being more than 2530.
2: Yeah, I read that it was 25 million for Black Bear Pictures to produce and 10 million for Paramount <clears throat> Pictures to distribute. So, given around there. Yeah. Which makes it's sense about right. Not a lot.
1: No.
0: So, and I mean, which is you know, you would think most of that budget would go to the star power, but um, I think you know, as we talked about, I think even Julianne and the rest of them they I'm sure they took a pay cut. Sure.
2: Yeah, and George Clooney himself uh, said he only got $50,000 yeah. to write, direct, and produce. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. A man who makes well over millions per movie. Just he, the
1: star. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Just a star in it. And to do everything else that mm-hmm. the creator does, he only got 50000 out of it. That's not a lot Yeah. no. Oh.
0: Well, he also, wrote, you know, no. to That's that point. a change. Well, he. but what's great about it, he? he recognized the fact of like, okay, listen, if he's not going to make a commercially viable movie and this is his passion project, like, uh, it's not going to warrant that. And so to even get, like, uh, you know, um, being with that guy, like, to even get $50,000, like, it's just a nice sort of bonus. He didn't need it. Sure. Yeah. Making that movie was more yeah. than enough for him.
1: And again, I, I really do believe that. He's a passionate filmmaker, I really do. I think he loves you know he he loves film um that's why he continues to act and he and he, and by no means should he let the, the let's say the failure of suburbicon listen it might ding him for a little bit like ego wise and I'm sure you you don't want to put out a movie that people don't generally like and you want to make a successful movie. And you know when you make a movie that's not a successful movie that other people are relying, like Paramount or, or, or the production companies, they're not going to see their back ends to this. So, but again, don't quit, Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. good God, man, you 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 are you are a star. Like you are one. You are like literally a bona fide Hollywood star that people re, you know look up to you. And you do have a passion for, for directing. Keep doing it because, you know, you're going you'll make good movies. You will. You have a passion for doing it. No, you know. So, uh, unfortunately, for this movie, um, you know, as of November, uh, as I'm looking, at November first, we're we're looking at about three point six million dollars.
0: Yeah, not too, not too good.
1: No, and it only did 2.8. It came in number nine at 2,000 theaters um, on its opening weekend. And granted, it had a little bit of competition, but it was a different movie. Like you know, right, the people who were kind gonna, of
2: programming,
1: yeah, people who go on a saw yeah. or jigsaw aren't necessarily going to be going to suburbicon.
2: No, right and this know. this film was projected to make eight million, but because it opened so uh, it opened less than they thought they lowered it down to three million
1: yeah um, yeah once again tracking um really doesn't you know really didn't peg this one it didn't peg anything over the weekend mm-hmm. correctly, but you know and again for for paramount, I understand why paramount would want to distribute it, but yet again you know that, that they're still they're still going through their they're they're regrowing pain so to speak
0: well that's the problem you know when you, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about regrowing pain like it's uh, you know when it takes two to three years on average to make a movie mm-hmm. you know you're not going to see the fruits of that labor <laughs> till down the line right so but nonetheless obviously that doesn't mean you don't want the things that you got currently slated to, to still hit
1: yeah, and then eventually, you know, it'll open up and for some foreign territories. They'll have the home, you know, they'll have the home VOD market, you know, within a within a couple of months. You know, it's... But the movie, for all intents and purposes, is just it's not... It's DOA, you mm-hmm. know, because now we're going into... Now we're really, you know, the holiday season, more or less, is going to start with Thor... And then we have so many other movies between now and Thanksgiving. But now
2: we actually have the Academy Awards season actually starting. So, And if they were gunning for that, unfortunately, it's not going to no.
0: do anything for them. No. I, thinking, I, I think if they were gunning for it, they hit too early anyway. Like, now, most... I, I just remember now, like, most Oscar nominations, like, last week of November and just everything in December, 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 December. Like, it's just insane the amount of movies in yeah, December. Yeah, but
1: imagine... Imagine, if you will, if this movie was really good, this time period would have been the best time period because you would have come out rave reviews, directing performances like you would have been first out of the gate that people remember and that are talking about all through November. This would when be these the movie, movie people would be comparing, yeah, other movies to, yeah. So, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying like just imagine like if this movie was really good this I think would have been a good time period for oh. to to come out of the gate because it would have come out swinging and then people would have said, "Oh, this is the movie that people are going to have to beat or they're going to have to be better than Matt Damon or Julian Moore or whatever." Well, so, mm-hmm. but it didn't turn out that way.
0: D-minus on cinema score. 25 on the good old Rotten Tomatoes, Um, as they say, disappointing misfire for director George Clooney. Suburgana attempts to juggle social satire, racial commentary, and murder mystery, and makes ends up making a mess of all three.
2: I agree.
0: So, um, yeah, and a D minus at
1: CinemaScore. How do I mean? I want to know how you equate. Well, Snowman got a D. Yeah, and deservedly so. D minus. But when you're at a D minus like what's the fraction that could have like wh- how many did you have to miss to get an F? <laughs> Cuz mother got an mother F. Mother was an, a, an unprecedented. I think F. you have to well, I I think, think there's like, a you difference got a because
0: D minus There's an impassioned hatred. Right? With mother. Sure. You know, you weren't just like okay, that's a bad movie. You were like fuck this piece of shit. Like literally, like this, right. there's some of the quotes that you could see. Right. This you're like okay, that was a, you know this was a bad movie, but like I don't want you know, I might hate it, but hate not in the hate, the sense of like I would go out of my way to trash this movie. Yeah, and I the, think
2: the acting is what saved it. Yeah, and, and, and it could and, have saved it a little bit.
0: I think
1: the yeah. the difference too between say Suburbicon and Snowman and their Cinema Score ratings, uh, as opposed to the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, which they were both sort of kind of in line. Twenty five percent is not good. Mother. Had a very high Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. It was uh, I mean, either the, the high eighties yeah. or, or, or such, where it had an F, um, which is still weird to me that many critics like That's where it as didn't much as match they up. did. Oh, you know, it didn't match up at all. These last two movies that we've talked about, and Phil, you and I talked Snowman last week, which I think Snowman made me angrier than this movie. You know, I didn't like this movie. Um, but yeah, Snowman was just a, oh, an utter mess. An utter mess that filled on many levels. And it was laughable. I didn't really. This wasn't a laughable mess to me, Suburbicon. But uh, yeah, D minus is tough. Uh, you ain't going to get any second
0: week business mm-hmm. out of this movie. Well, not especially now you got Thor.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. We
0: are just hitting it hard and heavy. Yeah.
2: To open to number nine. Yeah, you're gonna get even lower than that.
0: Yeah. So. Whew. All right. Well, um, let's tell you what we've got coming up. Um, we've got Thor coming up. We're gonna not do it on a regular Friday. We're gonna we're gonna tape a little bit earlier in the week. Um, we'll try to keep you guys updated. It'll be more than likely Thursday, somewhere between two and five p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I'm
1: looking forward to talking about that one. That'll be fun. absolutely. That'll mm-hmm. be fun and look forward to, t- to at some point or w- one way too I also thought it's Bad Mom's Christmas that's um, the- we're gonna have Murder in the Orient Express yes
0: um, we'll, we'll, I'm which I'm really for looking forward to you which, guys gotta remind we gotta do our short little reviews yeah. we, we promised yeah, right. the people last week that we'd huh. start doing our short little reviews for movies that we don't cover in depth and uh, we haven't so People stay on us. You guys stay well, maybe, on me.
1: Maybe we should maybe we should stop that next week since if we're not going to do an in-depth on Bad Mom's Christmas, because that yeah. also opens up this week going up against Thor. And like you said, you got Murder in the Orient Express, I think a little bit later on this month. We got Coco. We've got Coco. Justice League, which we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll have Lucky to really talk about. And there's – I know I'm missing a movie
0: yeah there's, there's Dog th- Wars. Well, no, not december. december i'm that's
1: talking december. I'm talking like in November that mm-hmm. there's at least one or- oh there's um D- daddy's home two mm-hmm. yeah. uh so, I'm I mean, looking forward like, to that comedy this sort of kind of yeah I mean I'm looking forward to comedy um you know and I'm really looking forward to uh to talking to you guys about thor uh I did see it last night if you haven't seen it yet, I do recommend see it big just see it big it's it looks see it big great
0: see it big so there you go speaking of uh, so that's the future uh, in the past we've got a ton of movies maybe maybe recently maybe not so good ones but nonetheless you can check those out whether it's uh, Snowman or otherwise um, but definitely in our, our full archives we have plenty of movies and we've been sort of talking about Coen Brothers we've been talking about Clooney we've been talking about Damon whether it's Jason Bourne whether it's The Great Wall whether it's Monuments Men or any one of those uh, other types of movies definitely check them out because um, we've got you covered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the most recent... Co- oh, we did... Um, uh, what's the one last year with the with the movie studio? Hail Caesar. That's it. We Hail did that Caesar. one. We
1: did Hail Caesar. Yeah. See?
0: So we've got you covered. Um, anyway, um, thank you guys as always for joining us. Do leave a comment in the comments section. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Let us know yeah. what you thought of our opinions on the movie. And, and I
1: want to say thank you to many of the people that have, that, that have been commenting. They've been very passionate and... Uh, but not trolling. <laughs> well, but they haven't been trolling. Uh, and I appreciate that so much. I had a really... I was in a good conversation last week about uh, about Matt Damon, in fact, and about The Great Wall because we talked about the snowman and how they didn't have any Nordic people outside of Rebecca Ferguson who yes. was really yeah. in the movie. And nobody complained about that. But, you know, but we got into this really good conversation. And I want to thank that person. I want to thank for anybody who takes time to write us to... Talk about the movies and not be jerks.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Even, Even if, if you discipline. don't comment and you just listen and watch, hey, you know what? You've done your part more, you. than, <laughs> more than anything. So we appreciate you. Um, if you do like us, don't, don't hesitate to subscribe. And if, if you really love us, don't hesitate to tell your friends about us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to
1: go take my smart pills now.
0: (laughs) I'm
2: trying to think, but nothing happens. I'm going to go watch (laughs) Thor.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Marissa, where can people find you?
2: Everyone can follow me on Twitter at SirFinnyTV. And
1: please support me on Twitter at DMovies1701. At DMovies1701.
0: There you go. And I'm at PhilSvitech or go to PhilSvitech.com. Thank you guys as always. It has been an absolute pleasure. We've <laughs> Thanks, got all. Thor coming up and uh, whatnot. So definitely keep checking back in. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.
1: <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitech, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.